Hey, fellow marketers, welcome to another episode of the Marketing Careers Podcast presented by the marketinghelp.co, your number one resource for productively advancing your marketing career. So today we've got a great interview episode with one of the leading minds in strategy and communications planning. His name is Julian Cole. Now he's been part of some monumental work and most recently some inspirational pieces of content that are absolute must-reads for all marketers. More on that in a bit. Um, before we get into the episode, just a quick reminder about our partnership with LinkedIn as our presenting sponsor and you know, want to focus in specifically on all the magic you can find to help build your marketing skills in LinkedIn Learning. And LinkedIn Learning, you know, you have some time to dedicate to upskilling, learning some new marketing skills. Their library of content in LinkedIn Learning, there's videos, video courses, all kinds of information that will help develop the specific marketing skills you want to so that you can advance and grow your marketing career. So we've done all the hard work for you, and we've curated all the lessons that we think are great fits for marketers at any level, beginner, manager, VP, etc. So just go to themarketinghelp.co forward slash LinkedIn learning, themarketinghelp.co forward slash LinkedIn learning, and that will give you direct access to a curated list of all the marketing courses that will be a great fit for you. All right. So let's dive into the conversation with Julian Cole. Now, he's a strategy consultant now uh, for leading brands uh, that you've heard of, like Uber, Apple, Snapchat, and Disney. And he runs this, this crazy cool site called uh, the Planning Dirty Academy. You can find more at planningdirty.com. And he's helping over 500 plus planners and members continue to hone their skills in strategy and communications planning. Uh, he also has a free uh, Planning Dirty newsletter. It goes out to about 25,000 subscribers. So Got to check that out, planningdirty.com. Now, early in his career, Julian was the head of communications planning at some pretty big agencies in New York, BBDO, BBH, and uh, oversaw you know 15-plus strategists to cre- create award-winning work for other brands you've heard of, like Bacardi, Snickers, Lowe's, Interscope Records, just some, some really cool work that he's been part of. So quick heads up here before we get into the show. Um, Got to make sure you check out the show notes, uh, Julian's curated a great list of resources uh, that he thinks would be great fits for uh, marketers to check out. So uh, definitely keep an eye on the show notes. So let's uh, let's get right into the conversation with Julian Cole. Hey, fellow marketers, welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Careers Podcast. Again, great to have our guest today, Julian Cole. Julian, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So, you know, something we just want to like cover when it comes to you know, unpacking your background and tie it into something that we talk about a lot on this on a couple of the podcast episodes is the notion of career moments and career path. And career moments, just for those listening, it's it's really those catalyst moments during someone's career that push them forward. So it's it's the challenging moment, it's the promotion, it's the thing that helps you advance your career at some level. Um, that's the career moment, and then the career path, as we know from a marketing standpoint. You have agency, startup, in-house, you know, so kind of walk us through your background. Great background, by the way. I love your LinkedIn profile. There's a lot of deep experience in agencies. So maybe take us through kind of how you got involved into the world of strategy um, along your path, but maybe what were some of those career moments that you had in your career uh, to shape you to where you are now running uh, your consultancy? Yeah, so uh, I started out in Australia um, working in advertising agencies there and what I noticed was one of the first days on my job, I noticed a strategist sitting in the corner 
thinking for a job. And I said, that looks cool. I'd love to be able to do that because I was uh, running around doing the account stuff. And that was when I jumped into strategy and took a role as a, um, as a kind of strategy intern. And one area that I thought was like, it's going to be really hard to crack it into strategy. So I need to find my own kind of niche. And with that, I did a thesis on social media on Facebook and the uses and gratifications of Facebook. So that kind of positioned me as an expert in kind of social on that first wave in 2008. Mm. And I went to start a social agency then with a couple of partners from the agency that I was working at. And that kind of rode me uh, quite far. We kind of were the first social agency for like Nestle and Coca-Cola in Australia. I then made the move to America and started working at the creative agency BBH, uh, which at the time had great clients like Johnny Walker, Axe, uh, Google. And I came on as a digital strategy director, really helping with social media. It was actually a really hard first two months, uh, two years, sorry. And when you talk about career moments, I think that's probably one of my first career moments. We had the digital team weren't kind of trusted to make digital work. So we they're known for great TV ads, not for digital. And so I'd gone two years without making one piece of live work. And the agency was suffering at the same time. We had lost, um, I think, 30% of the business in that time I was there, we hadn't won a pitch the whole time. So they downsized by 30% on one day and it was crazy. Uh, the kind of phones rang and you'd be sitting in a row of desks and every third phone would ring, someone would get the call, then they'd be retrenched and let go. And so it was kind of a very jarring moment. And I really thought I should have gone then because I hadn't been part of any of the active work, but I was kept on. I think they wanted to do more of the work that I was doing in terms of digital and integrated work. So that was a big moment because it said to me, okay, well, they've kept me around. Uh, I've got to really think about what I'm doing here. And about a month later, we won the PlayStation account, which was an amazing win. Uh, Real turn of fortune because we've gone from an agency has got no momentum to winning this creatively very big account they're about to launch the PlayStation 4 and we won it. And I was part of that team that helped win that pitch. And at that moment, I think that was my moment where I realized, hey, I've got something they want here. I can really, the, the agency's kind of on its knees. Let me take that next leap up. And I said, hey, let me run your kind of communications planning department because I'd done a little bit of that in my past and it was broader than just digital. And that was a big moment for me because it kind of, I was hitting a ceiling with digital and digital was always seen as an afterthought. And what comms planning allowed me to do was get a seat at the table a little earlier. And so I headed up the comms planning department at that time was only three people and uh, we had a successful run. We, we made PlayStation, we helped make PlayStation the fastest selling uh, console in video game history, nice. uh, which was amazing and, and continued to win work. Uh, past that, I went on to BBDO, which was a much bigger agency. So from a hundred people agency to uh, it was 800 people. And so a bigger opportunity for me, which I really enjoyed. And I grew the team there to 16 communications planners who were working across all the accounts there. We went on to win 
over 100 creative awards for the work that we were a part of. But that was an amazing experience. Um, and then the final career moment was uh, I took a year off um, after three years at BBDO and took a year off and was coming back to the States after taking a year off traveling. And I was moving to LA and I really wanted to get a job. I was thinking, oh, I want to go brand side. I want to work for a startup. Couldn't get a job, like just no, wasn't getting any interviews. And so in that time, I decided to start freelancing and consulting and uh, I kind of never looked backwards from there. It was like such a kind of had a really successful run on that and have continued to kind of grow the consulting side of what I do and then also grow this academy, which is a big part of what I do now too. Yeah, and we're definitely going to share a lot of the show notes for all your work and the things you've been doing uh, for our audience, um, which will be great. But, you know, just kind of reflecting on your path here, which sounds like just what a great journey to be exposed to all those brands, but also be part of those experiences that come with working on the agency, which I think a lot of marketers, you know, definitely early stage marketers, but even those that are navigating their career like you had from manager to director to VP, you know, just some of those unforeseen challenges where one day the client likes you, the next day they don't. And uh, for whatever reason, and then you're, you're in that situation, like you were saying, where the phones start ringing and then it's, you know, you're kind of crossing your fingers like, gosh, I hope, hope it's not me. Um, so, the, you know, your career path of kind of agency to agency to agency. And then it's interesting how your intent was, let me go find brand side or startup. And, and the career moment of, you know, everyone, you know, saying no or not opening the doors or not finding those doors kind of led you to this successful path in consulting. So that's, uh, that's an interesting path, which I think a lot of people may see that and get, get kind of, um, you know, kind of uh, deflated when it comes to not getting that, hey, I, I want to work startup or, or client side and I can't get it. So I just kind of, uh, you know, did you ever think about going maybe back to agency or was it agency you're kind of put that behind you and you wanted to go forward with something else? I was thinking about agencies, but there just wasn't the job that I wanted over on um, the West Coast. So I, I was really probably the next level I'd needed to go to was like chief strategy officer. Mm-hmm. Um, and those roles, there wasn't many of those roles opening up. So it didn't make much sense to go there. Right, right. And, and again, it's great how, you know, you probably got your first freelance work and then you're like, Hey, wait, there's something here. And then next thing you know, word of mouth kicks in and, and here you find yourself doing what you're doing now, which is great. Um, you know, something when I, what, at least from my experience working in agencies and I, you know, when you're talking about communications planning, a seat at the table, it's a way to get, you know, in, at that table when preparing for a campaign or a pitch, you know, when you, you dive deeper into just strategy overall, I'm curious from your own perspective, how would you define strategy? You know, just if you had to summarize it in one sentence, uh, just based on your perspective on, on how you've seen it work and how you see it working today. So I can define what communications planning is for you and then kind of go for strategy as well. Sure. So communications planning is kind of the connective tissue between creative and media and making sure that you have a integrated campaign because in agencies right now, the wheels fall off because media is in one house and creatives in the other, and it's not connecting. And we've seen the value of that. So it's that connective glue and it's, 
And the other way I like to describe it is bringing strategic rigor to the implementation process. Because what often happens with strategy is it's all up front. It's all writing the creative brief and then it's hands off and the creatives get involved. But there are so many decisions that get made in the production uh, phase of the campaign that have dramatic impact on budgets, on how you actually, where it turns up, how it turns up. And so we provide strategic rigor through that process. Now, strategy for me is uh, creating a, um, is strategy is uh, outlining a goal and then working a path to that goal with the limited resources you have. So you understand where the business wants to go and you, uh, for, for an advertising, especially advertising strategy, is understanding the business problem, translating that into the human or the consumer problem mm-hmm. and helping them overcome that and with the limited resources they have. And I think that's the other big thing is that we often forget it's about limited resources, not pie-in-the-sky world, um, which is not tied to any reality or the fact that you've only got $10 budget. Right, right. I like how I like how you tie that to uh, limited resources because so many times working in, in different uh, environments, you 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 encounter those that are in charge of of planning or what they think is planning or even strategy, and it is pie in the sky, which makes it even harder to achieve or even you know really make tangible. So, I like how you tie that to the, you know put your in a gritty kind of limited resources mindset and then, you know, see how successful you can be uh, in that way. So I think that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Um, so it's so- also the, uh, also for me, uh, like planning dirty. That's the reason like my company's called planning dirty because it's in the weeds. It's like, it's not this strategy that's sitting on a, you know, rock in a corner right. kind of philosophizing. <laughs> um, this is when it's down in the weeds and things aren't going right. That's where, I like that. Cause I was actually going to ask you where that, that the, the name of your company came from, but now that makes complete sense. It's uh, really, you know, getting into it when it comes to the planning part of it. Now, when it comes to the, the, the communications planning and how you describe it as, as doing what you can with limited resources, you know, there is, there is a, a toolkit that you've recently been part of when it comes to the Black Lives Matter um, uh, situation. You, you were part of this, this amazing team that put together this toolkit that in some ways, and this is my perspective on, on, on the, the piece of content, where your team basically um, uh, looked at what brands were doing as it relates to reacting to um, the, the Black Lives Matter movement, but from a strategic standpoint in terms of how these brands were doing it well or how these brands may have been doing it not so well, so maybe walk us through kind of the the impetus of that project, how that came to be. It is a, just a fascinating resource. I'm just curious and just maybe talk us through the impetus of that resource, you know, where the the, the strategy and the comms planning came into that, even though it sounded like it was more of a, uh, you know, kind of a, a a friendly project that you put together with some, some other of your colleagues. Yeah, so I feel like probably like everyone – was kind of shocked with what happened with George Floyd and kind of wanted to do something around that and the movement and, and kind of feeling uh, I was back in Australia at the time, just feeling pretty helpless that I couldn't 
help in any way. And so I really wanted to use whatever skills I had or resources I had to help that movement. And obviously with strategy, that's a skill set I've got. I knew that a lot of brands would be trying to come with their responses. So my thinking was, was how could I help um, the planners and strategists uh, deal with that and, and kind of create a response. So I put that request out in my, uh, the kind of Facebook group, which has all the Academy members. And one of the Academy members, Lexi said, Hey, I'm working on this list of the responses from brands. If anyone wants to help, I said, yep, I'm definitely on it. And then two other members of the Academy, um, Stephanie and Davis also helped with that. And I think what we wanted to show was what brands were saying and what brands were doing and to really show clearly uh, what their, what the difference between those two were and really shine a light on that. And I think that was the biggest thing is that you've got to, you've got to do something and it's not like a mass, it, it doesn't have to be a massive um, piece. You know, it, it could be changing your HR policy or giving people volunteering one, one more day off, but you need to actually be walking the walk as well. And so it really shone a light on that and celebrated the companies that were doing it well. But for a lot of people who really um, had the intention that they wanted to help brands kind of move in this direction or use their voices, this document was meant to help those people out. And have you had any reaction from the brands that you featured at any level or really it was just a piece to help equip uh, other brands to know how to operate? We've had a lot of positive feedback from big brands who have used it um, and have uh, said, I've had a lot of strategists respond being like, hey, this has been super helpful for me. But none of the brands, I don't think any brands were kind of, we also weren't painting any brands in negative lights. So that was, um, I didn't have any response from brands in there. Got it. Got it. I mean, and and we're, again, we'll definitely share a link to this in the show notes. But at, you know, when you do take a look at this this uh, response toolkit uh, that Julie and the others put together, uh, amazing on how similar some brands were reacting. Uh, that you had it grouped into you know certain categories and, and classifications where, just by reading those classifications, at least when I was looking at, it, I said, oh, that's that's just like that one company. And sure enough, you guys had featured that company because you start by identifying here are the types of companies, like types of was homogenous wallpaper was one, um, uh, the, the reevaluate and pivot, which I thought was a nice one because you remember those companies that actually, to your point, took action. Um, mm. Like I think it was Lego that reevaluated uh, their stance and then took the opportunity for education, I think, uh, or something like that. So I think it was just a great way on how you you provided the, uh, the types of businesses first before you even talked about the, the business. Because, I mean, listen, we've all seen those uh, roundups and other pieces of documentation that we're all just looking to put a negative light on some of these brands. But I think I like how you guys did it with, listen, this is just kind of a summary of the different themes of how brands are reacting. You, the consumer, make your own judgment. So um, just a great piece. Now, the response to that piece, like you said, was positive. I think, you know, for our listeners, because, you know, for, for the folks in your academy and your, in your Facebook group that reacted, right, they took action, which I think was a great step for them. But in some ways, it almost feels like for them, and then you kind of being involved with this, 
becomes a career moment piece where I think just by nature and just from a, from a fulfillment standpoint, right? You guys, you know, you weren't getting any sort of, like it wasn't a, a for pay thing, but it was more of the fulfillment of like rallying around, putting something together and then equipping it so others can, can, can be better at what they're trying to do. Um, were there any kind of takeaways you saw in just the process of watching that from start to finish that you think could translate well for well, maybe as an acting framework for some of our listeners when it comes to embracing, you know, in, in some cases, real life situations uh, you know, was there learnings there that can act as a framework for for our audience to follow? Yeah, I think it's helping. Always thinking of how how can I help the other people in my industry is always kind of to me been a massive positive. Uh, so it's I'm always thinking of like how can I help my colleagues and coworkers and people who are going through the same struggle, and I think that if you bring that mentality of seeing, you know, your peers as not competitors, but people you can help lift up as well, it will just take you further naturally as well. And doing, you know, putting out documents like this, the other great thing that it does is when you have to, you know, um, put something out and, and really you're putting your name behind it, you've really got to understand what it is and it really helps you understand the bigger picture as well. So I think whether, you know, I've put out a number of different strategy documents and every time I feel like I'm learning on a deeper level when I have to like push something out with my name behind it, whether it's teaching something or whether it's putting out a resource like this, it really requires you to critically think about it. So you're getting better at your craft by doing that as well. Yeah, I like the the critical thinking angle because I mean you're right, especially for those early in their career. Like, um, if you're moving forward with purpose, you know, and thinking critically about what it is you're producing, whether it's a report for management or a, a thought piece around something that's happening in the world, um, you do it with the right intent because again, you know, your career journey continues to go on, whether it's your first year or you've been doing it for 15 years. So I think that that's a, you know, that, that's a good uh, observation, you know, plus leading with help. I mean, it's kind of how our company got started is just wanting to help others navigate their career and do whatever we can do to provide those resources for them, much like you're doing, uh, had done with this one. But I want to spend some time now maybe talking about uh, planning dirty. So maybe talking about how that, it almost sounds like that evolved from, hey, if I can equip people with the right resources, they can be better at, at their job at planning. Maybe give us a peek into what you what you bring to the table in planning dirty, what other resources you offer for those um, uh, that you work with. Yeah, so the idea of the Planning Dirty Academy is that it's a it helps to be a um, a resource that helps you get into strategy leadership. It gives you a roadmap of how you need to get into strategy leadership and the resources that will help you get there. And what I noticed was when I was at BBDO, the strategist who um, whose careers were continuing to progress had a certain skill set. And we talk a lot in strategy about T-shaped skill sets, which is you're deep on one part of the skill, which might be research or you might be great at um, creative briefing or comms planning, and then you're broad across everything else. And what I realized at BB, um, BBDO was one day 
one of the best um, brand strategists I'd ever worked with, an amazing guy, um, lost his job. He had a fight with the creative director and he lost his job. And that exact same day, um, it was it was heartbreaking because he was the smartest brand strategist I've ever worked with. And if he's losing his job, what hope do I have? <laughs> and the exact same day, the um, youngest strategy director that I had in my team came to me and said, I've lost my... Um, I'm leaving and we just promoted her and she's like, I'm leaving. I got a $50,000 raise, uh, $50,000 increase in pay from this other company, um, this other agency. And I was completely baffled. I was like, here, one great person. These two people who were amazing, both amazing, but one's career was kind of not going great. The other was just on a rocket ship. And what I realized was it's the difference there between having a T-shaped strategy skill set and being a big T strategy skill set. And so what big T is to me is that you have to have the T-shape, but then on top of that, you need these three extra disciplines, which is diplomacy, which is understanding politics and navigating the politics, management, which is can you teach others below you that skill set and help them rise, and then selling strategy. The whole problem with strategy is it's a really hard thing to get your hands around. And so if you can't sell it to others, you're not going to help grow the department. And that was the difference. The brand, the great brand strategist, he he um, was a great T-shape, but he didn't have those extra skill sets where the big T and she was like an amazing diplomat through the agency, could get things done through clients as well was great at managing and also great at selling. And so when I started um, at BBDO, I was like, okay, I need to teach everyone this skill set. And so I made sure everyone was kind of rising across all of them. And then when I went out by myself, I thought, could I do this again online? Could I teach people this of the big T strategy? And that's what I've really uh, tried to do. So I've it's been going for over a year now and had over 700 members in there and they're learning those skill sets. So there's over 80 classes. There's a number of resources that help them out um, talking about the different parts of strategy and then also those extra skills. So that's what the Academy's um, doing and kind of new content's coming out all the time as I work out how to help teach those skills of strategy because there's a real... Um, there's not a lot of content out there for strategists who really want to focus and really take their career up a notch. I mean, I think that's a, that's a fascinating way to look at it because, you know, you kind of uh, embodied that T-shape, which we believe is in the marketing help. We love T-shape marketers and we love, you know, helping marketers build that T-shape from a marketing context, but how you've done it with the, the fat T um, with those three elements, because I mean, we've all worked, potentially for somebody that was lacking those three things, but you know, the way you stack those on top of all the other necessary items, I think is, is um, just a great approach to making sure you're, you're well-rounded because I remember working with strategy teams. I mean, I'm sure you, you, you live, this is, you know, working on, on the, the scope with the client and then them saying, well, what am I paying this much for, for guys or girls to sit in a room and think? And it's like, well, no, it's not, it's not just that. Um, so the point about selling, I think, is so critical because you have to be able to convince somebody, no, 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 no. There's a reason why you need this. 
because uh, you'll run you'll you'll run out of tactics without having some sort of planning or strategy in place. Mm. Um, and it sounds like your audience is really is it mainly focused on those folks that work within agency teams. Uh, so it's both clients who okay. are dealing with creative campaigns and are dealing with creative agencies, and then people in creative agencies, media agencies, and PR. And there's a lot of people who are transferring from like another department. So account people coming into strategy yep. and they need to skill up fast, but they need to skill up on the job. So that's kind of the broad range of people. Got it. And, and in addition to the, the, the Planning Dirty Academy, you said, you know, there's a ton of resources that you're giving to equip in all three of those areas. What are some other resources? And these may be ones that you're, that you have, or you offer, uh, or maybe other ones you've seen out there just publicly available that you think our, our audience should be aware of. So uh, there's, yeah, as you said, there's a number of, I've got, I've got a number of free resources on the Academy. So there's tools, the strategy mate, which is all the tools that I use. Mm-hmm. And then I'm constantly coming out with new decks on different subjects. So I did one on brand strategy 101 Yesterday, I released one on SWOT analysis. Tomorrow, I'm releasing one on brand strategy, how that translates into uh, TikTok. So every week, I've got a new deck. So you can check that out on um, LinkedIn or Twitter if you Mm -hmm. follow me there on my newsletter. But the other resources that you should look at, if you're interested in strategy and learning the basics and foundations of strategy, the two resources that are great starting points are the JWT guide planning guide, which is a free resource. It's a PDF from 1974. It was done by the founder of planning called Stephen King. And it's still the fundamental best place to start your learning of strategy. The second book is called truth lies and advertising, which is another historical one, which is done by John Steele in the nineties. And again, gives the foundations of strategy. Then in terms of like diplomacy, I think the best book as kind of cliche as it sounds was How to Win Friends and Influence People has just been foundational for me Mm -hmm. as well as um, the marketing theory side of things, Byron Sharp's How Brands Grow has also kind of fundamentally changed the way I think about marketing. So I'd say they're the big big pieces that have made the biggest impact on me and, and are great starting points. Yeah, and and the uh, how to win friends and influence people, hundred percent agree with that. It's almost like this this in itself, these resources could serve as a toolkit for the hey. So you're thinking about getting into strategy and planning? Well, <laughs> read these first, and then yeah. you know move on to to some of the other resources. But we'll definitely share those in the show notes too. But um, I've got a I've got a piece which is actually a six month guide to transitioning into strategy, and so it gives you month one do these three things, read nice. these books publish these. And after six months, if you don't have a job in strategy, I say email me because <laughs> it's definitely wrong. help you out. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, because there is some sequence required if you think about it, because they're like the foundational mindset, you want to make sure that they're, uh, it's in place before you start to tack on some of those other elements, you know, because I think we've been in situations, we've seen it go the wrong way where it's too much too soon. And then you miss out on all the all the details, but it sounds like you're positioning people well to have those three components in place as they start to grow and seek a job in, in strategy. Because I, I would imagine if you walk in talking diplomacy, management, and selling, 
as part of your interview that positions you nicely for others uh, when you're looking to get a strategy job. Yeah, definitely. And the thing about uh, like diplomacy, a lot of people think, oh, politics, you don't have to deal with that till much later in your career. No, you should be doing that day one, like as soon as you step full time into a role. And there was this great advice that the... um, that young gun strategy director had. And when she was teaching others, what she said was she'd have them on the very first day, any meeting that they went into, she would say, take notes on what's happening in the meeting, but then also tell me about the body language and what was not being communicated and what was the power structures that were happening. And then tell me after replay that afterwards to me. um, And they'd catch up and talk about that. And that was from day one. Like this was junior strategist observing the dynamics of the power dynamics of a meeting. And I was like, that's so smart. And that's when we should be starting, not when you get the role as head of department or strategy director. Right. Because everybody wants to be manager until they have to manage people and and they're not equipped to do it well. Uh, What a a great idea. Because it is as simple as just reading people and uh, you know, body languages and things like that. But that must be, that's a great tip because I think that 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 would open up a very, very effective conversation between manager direct report um, by feeling empowered to give them that sense of, you know, really just kind of getting a read of the room. Um, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. So Julian, I, I want to, uh, again, appreciate you on the, you joining us and giving us some insights on just the world of communication planning strategy um, your involvement in the in the um, Black Lives Matter piece, which I think is phenomenal. Again, I'll be sharing that as well. Uh, if anybody wants to connect with you a little bit more, and I do agree 100%, you know, definitely connect with you on LinkedIn or at least follow you on LinkedIn to see the great content you're putting out daily, just great insights, great links and great resources. But where and how can people connect with you if they want to stay in tune with what you're producing? Yeah, LinkedIn, number one, Twitter, and then there's the Planning Dirty newsletter and then there's the Planning Dirty site, planningdirty.com, and you'll find all the information there. Perfect. So I will, um, I'm going to bundle all these together, put these in the show notes uh, where everyone can get access to them and really up your game when it comes to all things strategy and planning. So Julian, again, appreciate your time today and thanks for joining. No worries. Thanks for having me. All right. A big thank you to Julian Cole for joining us on this episode of the Marketing Careers Podcast. Tons of great tips and inspiration for marketers at any level in this episode. Uh, Especially, I like the diplomacy, management, and selling components he talked about uh, that are part of the strategist's big T-shape. I think that's very relevant uh, for marketers to consider, again, no matter what your level is. Uh, Three things I want you to do right now. One, check the show notes. Guys, there's tons of resources that'll be in the show notes, specifically the uh, inspirational Black Lives Matter response toolkit that Julian referenced in this episode, plus some other resources that that he thought would be great uh, for marketers at any level. So definitely check those out. Second, follow Julian in LinkedIn. Check out the absolute goal that he's posting every week as it relates to strategy and and communications planning. Uh, A lot of relevant things there to tie into your marketing career. And like we discussed in a prior episode about networking, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to Julian, tell him you heard him on the podcast and uh, connect with him in LinkedIn as well. Lastly, I want to hear from you guys. Email us at connect at themarketinghelp.co or tag us in LinkedIn and Twitter. What's the topic you want to hear covered? What questions do you have about your marketing career? 
uh, let us help you and connect with us today. So until next time, this is your host, Eric Harbison. And remember, today's a great day to practically advance your marketing career.